My biggest fear would be when the first comes and I don't get the rent. I found that my tenant had dumped concrete down my toilet. Can you believe Fair Housing fined me $5,000 for that? How do you onboard your tenants? What do you do? I don't even know if I do it right. If you're a landlord, don't just rent, rent perfect. The Rent Perfect Podcast with property expert and private investigator, David Pickron. Well, we're here today just going to jump right into ADA, FHA. People are like, what is that about? We have Mark Zinman here with us, attorney. Mark, always love having you. You set us straight. I don't know how we get all these ideas in our head that's just crazy, but we, you come in and you set it straight, and I certainly appreciate that. I don't know. I think you just picked the attorney to bore people as we get <laughs> <laughs> the details of law. Well, anytime we have you on, we always go through. You're not representing anybody here. You're giving your common knowledge. We always recommend that you go to your own attorney if you have any particular situation. So there's that disclaimer to let everybody I, I know appreciate that, that. Yeah, you're my attorney, but not everybody else's attorney. Yeah, right? and I'm only licensed here in the state of Arizona. <laughs> I appreciate that. Hey, um, interesting. I, I'm showing a property down in Tucson. I, I bought a property down in Tucson. Crazy for me to go outside the, the Phoenix metro area. Um, and I'm down there showing it to a couple people. And in particular, one uh, one of the applicants said, hey, I we really want this. We're, we want to move in July 1st, and we want to we want to get going on it. And uh, I said, okay, perfect. I'll send you the, the invite. And we go through the whole thing. And right at the very end, never while we're showing it, never at the beginning, right at the very end. And, oh, by the way, I have a 10-pound Maltese poodle that is a service dog, and I have all the proper documentations from my medical provider stating that I have a disability. I mean, she said that perfectly. Because a lot of times I hear, oh, I have a service dog, and I have a certificate that qualifies him, the dog, yeah. right? And I'm like, okay, you're, you're kind of getting some information, but you didn't hit it dead on. So I believe this girl obviously has a service animal, so we will be going through the proper channels. But it's just great that we're going to have this podcast today because it comes too coincidental, right? Yeah, it's. I mean, it's that is the most common accommodation request that we see right. across the board. So in my head, I'm going through, I'm showing the property, I'm having great conversations. I'm thinking, okay, great, I've got my next business partner, as we call it. And then all of a sudden, this one sentence makes my brain just go, wait, am I doing this correctly? So today I want to talk about service animals, but specifically, let's broaden that and talk about the ADA and FHA and how it affects us, which we know as fair housing affects us as smaller landlords, right? I mean, it's a little different if you own a big 200-door apartment community. It's a little different if you have, you know, single-family home or a couple, you know, a duplex or fourplex. Well, I mean, there's an exception. There's exceptions to the Fair Housing Act, but generally, I mean, we don't, like, that's not what you focus on, right? Like, everybody should be complying. Everybody should be expecting the fact that they're covered by the Fair Housing Act. And so it applies, actually. The Fair Housing Act applies whether you rent out 500 units on one side or right. rent out a couple just single-family homes. You're still bound by the Fair Housing Act. And so the assistance animals, the accommodations, the modifications. Okay. There's a lot of Asians there that <laughs> we're going to talk about, okay? So if you were to say, you know, I like had a client call me and say, say, Dave, can you do a podcast on how the ADA affects us? How would you answer that right there? Well, I mean, you're talking about your clients would be like the single-family homeowners, right? Right. The mom and pops of the world. My quick initial reaction is the ADA probably has nothing to do with your life whatsoever. The ADA, this is critical stuff here and try not to bore you. The ADA, the Americans with Disabilities Act, 
is just for public accommodations. And public accommodations are where any John or Jane Doe off the street can go. So you think about your restaurants, your bars, your hotels. In an apartment, maybe like your front office or like the front parking where it says future guest parking, right? Where anybody can literally go just to do business. Right. They walk in off the street. Hey, can you rent to me? That's ADA. That's a public accommodation. But when you look at a single family homeowner, you don't want Joe, John Doe walking in your door ever. Like right. sidewalks here, that's where you stay. I don't want you touching my house. Right. And so that's kind of this like invisible legal barrier where you're like, okay, there is no ADA here. But that whole house is covered by the Fair Housing Act. So when we're really saying how is it covered by ADA, what we're really saying is, okay, we're being technical, talking about where the law comes from. But it's kind of the same stuff, but it's really the Fair Housing Act that we're Correct. really running over, running through. Yeah, so. the majority of your listeners will all be fair housing okay. through and through. Awesome. So under the Fair Housing Act, let's go back to the situation I had this weekend. So she says, I have a 10-pound Maltese poodle. Does it matter? No, I mean, if so, it's an accommodation request, right? It's an accommodation under the Fair Housing Act is I need a change in a policy to let me use and enjoy the property. In this case, the most common one we see is an assistance animal saying, I've got a disability, whether it's PTSD, anxiety, because of what you're describing here, and I need this dog to allow me to reasonably right. use and enjoy it. And I understand there is so much abuse out of the laws right? and so much people just throwing it out to try and like just waive pet fees or whatever, but you have to treat a valid assistance animal like you would a wheelchair. Right. And I think the scary thing for me is is when I stop for a second, it's because I can't see the disability, right? Yep. I mean, if they came in the doorway, I could see in a wheelchair, I could see a seeing eye dog, but all of a sudden I see I need this this 10-pound dog, and part of me says, wait a minute, do you really? And I should not even be thinking that in my head, correct? Yeah, there's just no reason to. You're going down a bad rabbit hole. And right. even we've seen that with clients. They get like a doctor's note, and they're like, no, that's a scam. It's a doctor. I right. bet they're lying. And you're right. like, well, you don't want to be in a courtroom being sued for a fair housing violation. And the doctor's like, yeah, they're disabled. They need that. And you go, right. oh, well, I thought you were lying. Okay. If she would have said I have a 120-pound chow dog or a Doberman? Come on. Now, so for the fair housing purposes, and this is really important for people to understand. So service animals are just under the ADA. So that's like a dog that provides a function, like okay. a seeing eye dog. Fair housing is much more beyond that, and not only is it could it be for something you can't see, like what we're talking about right. as well, but there's no restriction on, on the type of animal either, really. For okay. any type of dog, you can't put breed restrictions. Okay. Theoretically, even exotic ones. Okay. If the do doctor assigns it, you could have somebody that gets a monkey if they need okay. it. Okay, which they call unique animals. Correct. Okay, perfect. Um, if let, I like to stick with the dog because that's the most common, but we're talking cats, monkey, what, whatever. How many can they have? Generally, the presumption is, and again, you can't have bright line rules, but every animal has to have a f separate function. It can't be duplicative. Okay. So if a person, for example, is blind, they need a seeing eye dog, and if they have PTSD, they could potentially have an emotional support animal to go as well, okay. right? So that would be two. When you start seeing stories of people have like six cats, well, the cats are clearly duplicative at some point. Okay. Uh, and you'd have to literally walk through it. So we've written a ton of letters on behalf of clients saying, look, you've brought all these animals. You're not at everyone. You're just saying, the doctor's saying they're disabled. They need you know, right. X, Y, and Z. How are they not duplicative? Okay. So uh, someone does come in with three animals um, and says, hey, these are all service animals. Uh, they all do something for me, emotional support animals. So you need to get three different letters from a doctor that says they perform three different functions. You're, you're entitled to ask for that as the landlord, correct? Okay. So to 
basically push it back to ask how they're duplicative so you can really analyze it. Because a lot of letters we just see is, my patient is disabled, and they need chow-chow right. as, their, <laughs> as their assistance animal. Right. Well, if you got three of those and it just changed the name of the dog, that wouldn't suffice because you're not okay. able to right. separate them. Um, but if there's more information saying, no, this is for this purpose, this that's where okay. you have to really start analyzing the facts. Okay. Perfect. Can I charge any extra fees or deposits or? No, I know that's the most common thing that landlords want to do for that situation because you're like, oh, we have a pet fee, we have a pet rent, and a pet deposit. You can't charge any of those when it's an assistance animal. You, excuse me, you truly have to treat it no different than you treat a person in a wheelchair. You're not yeah. going to charge somebody a pet or a wheelchair fee or a wheelchair deposit. It just seems offensive. We just don't have that same mental capability yet of looking at uh, emotional assistance animals that same way. So I, I love when you say that because that may, that's the clearest for me. When I realized it's not a dog, a cat, a monkey, or whatever it is, it's a wheelchair that they're asking for. Yeah. It changes everything. Yeah, it makes it much, much more black or white it would appear. Right. Now, uh, we move in one of these assisted animals, and at the end of the lease, we're doing our walkout, and there is damage caused from this assistive animal, can we can we do anything? Because we didn't get any fees or deposits at that point. Yeah, so at that point, you're just looking at the fact that it, then you come back out of the fair housing side. It doesn't matter. They're not using the property anymore. You gave it to them in this condition. Did you get it back in that exact same condition? And if not, it's not just because of the animal, though. It's because they didn't spend the money themselves to clean it back up the way it was. So okay. the most common thing we see, obviously, is pet urine. Well, you don't care where the urine came from, the urine in the carpet, somebody's got to pay to clean it. And that's the tenant's responsibility for right. not for allowing the, the animal to go inside. Right. And for, for years I've understood that we do not ask what the disability is. We just ask that they need an assistive animal for a disability. Yeah, correct. You're not in a position to you're not figure out. I mean, the legal is you can't ask the nature and extent of the disability. You okay. just need confirmation the person is disabled. And generally a doctor, nurse, certain, you know, somewhere on that spectrum is going to tell you, yes, I can confirm I have professional as this person is disabled. Then you say, okay, well, you're disabled. What is it that you need? In this case, it's the animal. Okay. And what are you seeing with people abusing this as far as there are so many uh, organizations online that want to certify a dog to be an emotional support animal, service animal. What are you seeing right now? Is there still a lot of that online? What should we accept? What shouldn't we accept? Yeah, so generally, I mean, there's a ton of that online. There's no question about that. And historically, it's always been there's websites you can go on and print out an ID card or print out a certificate, and it says this dog is a registered assistance animal or a registered service animal. It doesn't even mention the tenant's name, and it's signed by, like, a chairman or a CEO of the board. Okay. That doesn't qualify for fair housing purposes because fair housing, the first question is, is the person disabled? Well, the okay. letter has no confirmation, and it's just a letter where it's really focusing on the dog where we're not focusing on the person. Okay, I love that point. Don't focus on the dog. The dog isn't certified. The dog doesn't need to be certified. The dog doesn't matter. It is the person that actually needs uh, the assistive help from their disability. Correct. And so generally, you know, just a certificate saying the dog's a service animal is not going to qualify. Um, but on the other hand, even like if you see, a, uh, you know, a lot of doctors have gone virtual, for example, and you have a doctor out of like Minnesota or Colorado saying, this person's my patient. I confirm they're that they are disabled and that they need the dog for the reasonable use and enjoyment of the property. You're going to take that letter okay. because so it checks like literally every box. Okay. So the telemedicine nowadays, there is stuff online that people can use and get that 
we should accept. 100%. Yeah, if you can confirm the person's a doctor, you're most likely, assuming they meet all those elements, you're going to accept that. Okay. Now, the second thing that I run into quite a bit is, say someone does roll up in the wheelchair, wants to apply at your property, and things are going through my head like, oh my gosh, what do I have to do to accommodate this person? Do I have to widen doorways? Do I have to build ramps? Do I have to put you know, um, handrails in the bath and the shower? Where, How should we prepare ourselves as smaller landlords with single-family homes in this situation. Yeah, so generally, again, remember, even if you had, like, a, let's say you have a couple homes, worst thing you can do right off the bat is say, oh, I don't think this home's good for you. Let me show you a different home. That's steering. Clearly, it's a fair housing violation. Okay. Don't ever do that. It's always up to the tenant to figure out what's best for them. And so if somebody comes to the unit and they say, look, I really like this, but you've got a 32-inch doorway and I'm in a wheelchair. I can't do that. I'm just not going to be able to use the property, even though I really love it. Would you let me physically change the structure and make it to a 36-inch wide doorway so I can use that. That's obviously, there's a legal term for everything. That's a modification. They're okay. physically changing the building. And legally, you have to allow them to do it as long as they pay for it. Okay, but they pay for it. Yes. Okay. Do they have to put it back when they leave? It depends, um, which is always a horrible answer for any attorney <laughs> to give. Um, it depends on whether or not it would affect uh, the next person coming into that unit. So in the case of making a doorway 36 inches, no, you don't have to return it because why would the next person care? On the other hand, for me, like a lot of people in wheelchairs, uh, they're unable to use cabinets on the top in a kitchen. Kay. And so they'll pay to put those lower on the ground. Okay, well, let's think about that. If those lower on the ground, I'm 6'2", I come in as the next resident, I look at that, I'm not going to rent there because that's a pain for me. So that would decrease the value for a prospective Kay. purchaser, so then the person has to put it back up. Now, would th all this be in your lease then? If we, if you modify anything for a disability, it needs to be put back to the way. Is that how would you handle that? As far as to make sure that well, ha that it happens, it wouldn't be in your lease. I mean, your lease obviously has the default, which is you need to turn the property back in, same, less wear and tear, that kind of thing. And then, so you're going this kind of line of what your lease is, and then the reasonable modification, which is the physical change structure, is a little deviation. And then you jump over here and you say, okay, you ask for reasonable accommodation, you're giving me documents to prove it, and everything would be covered there as well. Okay. If they leave the property, don't put those cabinets back up. What is my recourse? Well, potentially, if it's one of those things where they can, they're changing it and it's going to negatively affect the value, you mm -hmm. can ask for a deposit up front to cover the cost of that being done. Okay. And if you didn't, for some reason, get the deposit because you maybe you just don't want to deal with it, in that case, then, yeah, you hold them liable for whatever it costs to get a contractor to put it back up the way it was. Okay, perfect. Is there anything in single-family homes that we really need to look at as far as they would pay for a ramp, they would pay for a doorway, they'd pay for a bathroom alteration, a kitchen alteration? Anything else that you're seeing out there at all there that is being asked for? No, I mean, I, th I think, like, the bathrooms are more common just because they're smaller spaces. Mm -hmm. People also have, like, walk-in showers that you see the infomercials in the middle mm -hmm. of the night, and those are, you know, I've seen people put those in for, like, twelve, fifteen thousand um, $15,000. <laughs> And, and the problem is a lot of the, you laugh, but the single family operators are like, well, I'm not going to let you do that to my unit. Right. And, I, and then they call me and they're like, oh, you wouldn't believe what I heard. I'm like, you have to allow that. And right. a lot of times, I don't think landlords realize how great that is. If the person is a tenant, is in a year, one year lease, willing to commit to doing that for their benefit, that's a commitment to your house. I mean, that's a good business partner that you're going to have. That's probably going over one year. It's not easy for them to move and find a place to, to really so that's enjoy. That's going to be willing to do it, yeah. I like that. So those are the, the modifications. 
and the accommodations we talked about dogs but how far do accommodations go so um i am uh, i can't get to i can't take the garbage can out from the backyard to the street when the garbage man comes monday morning is that something that we have to then go over and i mean how far does an accommodation go yeah so an accommodation is a like modification physical change accommodation is a change in policy procedure we see that, like we mentioned, the dog the most, which is I don't allow dogs, but I'm going to allow an assistance animal. But there are a ton of other policies that could potentially be waived, which, again, so we've seen certain cases where people want you to come and take out their trash room. Well, that's not a reasonable accommodation generally because you're not in the business of taking out trash. You're right. not in the business of going to the single-family home, especially in this market, to go to a single-family home and take out the trash for them. It's not reasonable. You're changing the nature of your business. Um, but there's other accommodations that we do see in the single family world, like waiving, not charging late fees until the fourth, because most disability payments come in on the third. Totally reasonable. You're going to have to do that every single time. Would you recommend you change your lease from the fourth to the fourth then, or would you just still go the first to the first and just accept rent with no late fees on the fourth? No, that's actually the reason. And a lot of people in the multifamily space don't realize this either, is that most Large operators at this point have leases with rent due on the 1st, just to make it clear the rent's due on the 1st, but late fees don't kick into the 4th. People think it's nice to try and give a grace period. It's not because of that. It's because of this disability issue specifically that there were so many people that they were punting to the 3rd or the 4th. They just said, okay, well, we're not going to have two stacks of tenants that we're going to figure it out. Let's just make everybody's late fees start on the 4th, and it's just easier that way. Okay, so that's a good reason as we set up our leases to say rent's due on the 1st, but no late fees until the 4th. It'll Covered on you. anything... That's coming from any kind of social security disability check coming in. Generally, yeah. I mean, there's always exceptions to every rule, but yeah. Awesome. Um, what else are we seeing nowadays? Anything uh, in particular coming through your office quite a bit on a reasonable accommodation? No, I think those, I, I mean, it's still, the pets are the number one. I think that's what people have the hardest time with. Um, it's just because, assistance animals, sorry, not pets. Because, you know, HUD came out with a memo in 2020, and it's just, people have a l just disbelief, I guess I should say. Right. And so people are always questioning those issues. And that's what, by far, is the number one. I, I get emails on that every single day at this point. Well, I know that the HUD uh, 2020 memo wasn't perfect, but it did give us a little bit of kind of direction. Um, we've modified that a little bit, not in their direction, of course, but in the packet that we hand out where we have this flow chart that says someone comes in, needs a reasonable come. They kind of go through this flow chart. It's backed up by everything in that HUD memo. And then in addition to that, there's a medical form that they can give to uh, their applicants to say, hey, if you don't already have a medical form or you need one, here is one that can assist you. But you're not, you, you can't require them to use that form, the doctor to use that form, correct? Yeah, and I've seen a ton of small mom and pops get stuck on that and get caught, right. which is like, you, you must use my form. We, we, it doesn't even make sense if you actually think it out. Because if you're saying, I need an accommodation, the person's disabled, they need something. And their doctor is effectively like writing them a prescription. Right. Well, that prescription is good enough for Walgreens. It's right. gonna, it should be good enough for your house. Right. And that's what it is. Well, you can, you can email us at info at Rent Perfect. We'll send you this packet. It makes a whole lot of sense. It does have the, this medical form in the back. You cannot require they use that form, but it's a starting uh, point that you can hand to people or you can at least uh, get that um, documentation. Now, I never take people's word for it. So... As my applicant this week is going to onboard, before she's going to be approved, I need to see her medical form because I need to treat everybody the same. And everybody who tells me that they have an assistive animal 
needs to be treated the same. So she will provide me her form, even if I totally believe her and it's it's obvious. I'm still going to put that form in the in the file. Any problems with that at all? Yeah, come on, I'm an attorney. There's an exception to every rule. <laughs> um, if if the disability is obvious, you you can't ask for a form. Now that wouldn't be the case with like an emotional support animal, but if you have somebody that walks in with a seeing eye dog, they're blind. Right. You don't need a doctor's note to And you would treat them all the same by just saying, I can see it, I Correct. don't need it. But when you can't see it, then you, you need to ask for 100%. the medical form. So if someone comes in and says, hey, I have a, an assistive animal, and you're like, okay, yeah, I believe you. And there, someone else comes in with an assistive animal, and you say, no, I need to get a form from you. I'm just saying, we need to treat everybody the same. And so make sure that you're abiding by that. So get that packet from us. Um, you know, it walks you through and it helps you through these situations. We listen to these podcasts. We go, oh, okay, okay, I got it, I got it. And six, seven, eight months later, this happens to us. And we're like, wait a minute. I got to remember, I don't deal with this every day like you do, Mark. Um, okay, let me go back to that packet. Or let me rewatch the podcast and make sure I'm doing this correctly. It's really not that hard. I think I think the, the penalties are a little bit more severe than it's really not that hard to abide by. Yeah, I don't think it's that bad. I think it's just usually it's, it's a lack of familiarity. Because right. if you're in the single family world or even a lot of multifamily operators, don't deal with it that much, right? If I'm helping with a client, I'm seeing these things literally day in and day out. Right. So I can do it in my sleep. But right. for a manager that maybe sees it once a year, once every four years, right. like it's a complex, you know, like you got to take a step back yeah. and do these kind of things. Like you can own one, two, three houses your whole life and never run into this. But when you do, it's kind of like, okay, wait, I've heard about this. And so we just want to make sure we have everybody educated. It's not that hard, but you do need to educate yourself. Mark, always appreciate that wonderful legal mind of you. And I will, I will say you are the dressed, best dressed person that we always have on here. You're just... <laughs> Dapper. I didn't even wear a suit for you I, today. You know, I, I, I just expect the attorneys to wear that. I'm in the, uh, you know, investor shirt where I just got out of my property working. So that's how investors <laughs> do well. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. And until next time, continue to rent. Perfect.